wonderful song, how wonderful it is. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for being so faithful to us. Oh, my, how overwhelming it is to realize what a wonderful God we have. And Lord, thank you. And Lord, may we be faithful. May we be found a faithful servant for thee. And I pray that tonight uh, the message would help us and challenge us to be a faithful servant to, to you. I pray that you'd bless in power in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you a, a pastoral message tonight. I'm going to ask every person uh, to pay close attention, especially uh, young people and college age folks, young, young married couples. Uh, I want you to listen. I'm preaching tonight on this subject. When the hedge comes down, uh, when the hedge comes down. Here is a familiar story of the God of heaven and Satan having a conversation in chapter 1. It's interesting that it is God who says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him uh, in all the earth? As I described Job this morning, uh, Job was a man that belonged to God. His faith was in God. Uh, Job was a servant of the Lord. He was a peculiar or rare servant, above average servant. Uh, he was perfect in that he had given all he was and had to God. He feared God and he eschewed evil. And in this conversation there is a turning point. Uh, when Satan says to God, doth Job serve thee for naught? In other words, uh, it is easy to serve you in his circumstance. Uh, you put a hedge about him and uh, everything he does is blessed. And he is protected. Uh, he is protected from me. He is protected from any wrong or evil. And uh, Satan says to God, he said, if you uh, take away the hedge, Job will curse you uh, to your face. Uh, that's what he said. He said, if you take away the hedge. As you read through chapter 1, and as many times as I've read it, and I know how the story uh, ends, as I begin reading in chapters 1 and 2, uh, it is a burdensome chapter and, and uh, process that you go through before you get to the place of deliverance because God did uh, move uh, uh, the hedge and he allowed Satan uh, to touch him. Notice in your Bibles, if you will, in verse number 13, there was a day when, the, uh, when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking and the Bible goes on to list the tragedies that happened just in an order of events. Uh, he finds out that all of the animals uh, that he has, uh, the working animals, uh, they're all slaughtered. And then he finds that his sheep uh, are burned of fire. And that fire doesn't come from Satan. That fire comes from uh, the Lord. And God is uh, trying Job. And then you find in verse number 17 that they capture that they steal the camels and they kill the servants that took care of the camels. When you come to verse number 19, you find that Job's children, his ten children are all slain. They're all killed. And the Bible says in verse number 20, 
Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. I always wish that was the end of the story right there. But we begin reading in chapter 2, and we find the conversation between God and Satan continues. And uh, Satan says to God, yes, uh, you've taken uh, those things, uh, uh, but if you ever touched his body, if you ever let his health be taken away, uh, that would be uh, what Job uh, would, uh, would, would cause Job to curse you. And so we find Job is uh, uh, touched and his physical health is taken away. In fact, he is demoralized in the fact that uh, sores and boils come on Job and uh, he is not sitting on a, a judicial bench. Uh, he is now uh, sitting in the ash heap of the uh, city dump and uh, he is uh, scraping uh, the sores, the boils. Uh, uh, he is in the anguish and pain. And when you're in the chapter, in chapter 2, the Bible talks about how they sit down together with Job on the ground seven days and seven nights and none spake a word unto him for they saw the grief was very great. However, I want you to notice it is in the beginning of the chapter that is the key to Job's success when the hedge came down. You'll find as you begin reading in verse number 1, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. He did that before the hedge came down. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 a yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east and his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them. Are you with me tonight? I only get to preach one time. One time. I've got 35 minutes. Uh, give our attention to the word of God. And the Bible said he sanctified them and rose up early in the morning. This is before the hedge was taken away. He sanctified them. Before the hedge was taken away, he rose early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Notice this statement. Thus did Job continually. I want to give you this statement. This is the message statement tonight. What Job had done when the hedge was about him 
protected him when the hedge was taken away. I want to say tonight what Job did when the hedge protected him is what protected him when the hedge was taken away. There are too many folks tonight that are blessed of the Lord and they're not paying attention. They're not serious in their walk with God because they think that life is always going to be this easy with the hedge of protection. But there's coming a day when the hedge will be taken down and we need to be serious in our walk with God in the good times so that we can build the strength to make it uh, through the tough times. Now it is true that God had placed a hedge of protection about Job. I believe that most of us live with that hedge of protection about us most of the time. I believe that's where we live. I believe I'm in God's hand. I know uh, that I am and nothing can touch me that God doesn't allow. And I like living in the hedge. I am thankful for the hedge of protection. In fact, I pray for a hedge of protection. I pray for a hedge of protection about my marriage. I pray for a hedge of protection about my home. I pray for a hedge of protection for my children, for my married children. I pray for a hedge of protection from God about my grandchildren. And folks, I believe it's a good thing. I believe it's a good thing that we pray for a hedge of protection. I like it. I like living there. I pray for a hedge of protection about our businessmen and our church and about our bus ministry. I pray for a hedge of protection about our staff and their marriages and families, about our deacons and their marriages and their families. I believe in it. We put protections about our house. We put protections about our tomato plants. Early this year, the frost came and kept coming a little late. And uh, I noticed not only the tomato plants, but even the trees, as they began to bloom, uh, folks covered them up so the cold uh, wouldn't kill uh, the bloom of the trees. I like the protection. Ah, but listen to me how you live. When the hedge of protection is about you, that's the strength you're going to have. When the hedge comes down, and there's some folks that are playing games with God, and they're not going to get serious till they go to the emergency room, it'd be a good thing thing tonight while the children are healthy while the bills are paid while everything is going well that you get close to God and that you walk to God with God and you get in that book right there and you spend time with God because dear friend there are times that the hedge of protection is gone and the strength that we have for that time is gained during the time while the hedge of protection is about us when things were going well and when Job was protected, he feared God then. When things were going well, he respected God then. Job didn't take God's goodness for granted. Job didn't take God's protection for granted. Job didn't play during the protected time. Job didn't miss a church because things were going well. He didn't stray during the time of protection. He didn't take it easy during the time of protection. He didn't miss his prayer time and his Bible time and his soul winning time and his giving time. 
Oh, he made sure not only was he right with God, he spent time in prayer for all of his children. He gave an extra offering for his children like uh, for fear that they had sinned and cursed God in their heart. And I want to tell you something, dear friend, when the hedge came down and, it, and nobody has faced what dear Job faced in his life and just to imagine what he went through is difficult and is grievesome. Oh, dear friend, thank God that he walked with God in the good times so he had the strength to walk with God in the tough times. He didn't do it occasionally. He didn't do it now and again. The Bible said thus, did Job continually. When you're in trouble, it's easy to get up early in the morning and pray. When you're in trouble, it's easy to fast and pray. When somebody is sick, it's easy to spend time in prayer. Ah, but dear friend, when things were well and Job was the most blessed man, he didn't strut around uh, talking about how great Job was. He was in his prayer closet thanking God for how great God was. Job trusted God. He walked with God in the good times. I'm thankful for the times of protection. I'm thankful for the times that I can look at those banners and rejoice that the bills have been paid and we're, uh, we're paying as we go on the building. I'm thankful for those times. I'm thankful for the times that the bus reports come in and not only did we see people uh, ride the buses and folks saved and baptized, but they all arrived safely and the children were safe and the buses made it. I want to tell you, I want to walk with God in hunger and thirst in the good times because there's times when the hedge comes down. I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. I want you to notice what the Bible says here in preparation for spiritual warfare. I want you to notice what he says when we begin in verse number 10, Ephesians chapter 6, where he talks about uh, us being uh, uh, in uh, spiritual warfare against Satan. And uh, we don't wrestle against man. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's more difficult than that. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. The power of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now pay attention. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand withstand in the evil day anybody can take a stand anybody can take a stand but it's only those that are wearing the armor of God and standing in the strength of God that can withstand in the evil day when the two football teams line, line up nose to nose and helmet to helmet, they look alike. They look the same. And that one side, they take a stand, and the ball is snapped, and the team attacks, and they withstand. 
And I'm going to tell you something. The evil day comes. The difficult day comes to all of us. I'm saying you better take God serious if things are going well. You go home tonight, you better thank God for the house you live in and the food you eat and the clothes you wear and the goodness of God. Walk with Him in the good times because the evil times come and we go from standing to having to withstand in the evil day. Every parent here tonight knows what I'm talking about. How precious are those children and they're young Innocent, by the way, you ought to keep them, as, keep them innocent as long as you can. This idea of educating them about the sins and the foolishness of the world, that's against the book right there. Amen. The Bible says that we ought, to be, uh, we ought to be innocent. Our children ought to be innocent about sin. That's why you have to protect them from the sorry television and the Internet and all of the foolishness that's on there. This idea of sex education and gender identity, that's right out of hell is where that's from. That's not attempting to educate your children. That's an attempt of Satan to destroy the mind and destroy the body of the children. That's what it's for. How precious are our children in those years up to age 13, 14, 15, and 16. I love it when I see the children without any shame or embarrassment, saying of the goodness of God, be in church. Ah, oh, but as I look at them, I have a fear because I know that one day they'll have, to, they'll have to face the devil. They'll have to face the world. And I'm going to tell you right now is the time for them to learn Scripture. I said right now is the time to memorize Scripture. They, they know more about the cartoons of the day than they do the characters of the Bible. You ain't doing it right. Do I have time to say that again? I said if they know more about the cartoon characters than they do the characters of the Bible, we're not doing something right. Children ought to know the Word of God. They can memorize, they can grasp, they can get a hold of that. They need to memorize the scripture. They need to learn the songs and songs that teach character and songs that praise the God of heaven and recognize God as our creator and recognize God as our sustainer, as our savior, as our coming king. They need to learn it now because it's difficult as they go out into the world and the devil as a roaring lion seeks to devour their minds and their lives. I grew up in a wonderful Christian home. Bible standards and many personal convictions that my parents had in place. We practiced personal conviction just like we did Bible standards. Now, personal conviction was to protect us from it's like this. I told the students in uh, orientation this year, I said, now some of these rules are dumb. And I'll tell you why they're there. They're to keep you from being dumber. That's what dumb rules do. Dumb rules keep you from being dumber. There's some convictions my dad had. They weren't in the Bible, but they kept us away from breaking the standards that are in the Bible. My dad wouldn't buy anything on Sunday, wouldn't buy a stick of gum, wouldn't buy anything on Sunday. 
didn't have a television in the house and a lot of other things. He believed in work. <laughs> and David said to me, Friday, I believe it was, about 8 o'clock, he said, well, he said, we got our half a day in today. We started at 8 o'clock Friday morning, and we were getting ready to finish about 8 o'clock. And Dad used to say, you can be a success in life, boys, if you just work a half a day a day, doesn't matter which 12 hours you do it. A lot of times at 8 o'clock after the work was finished, Dad would say, you boys can do anything you want to, and we did. We went to bed after eating. <laughs> Family devotions was on a regular basis growing up. Faithfulness to the Lord's house and revivals and conferences and vacation Bible schools and special meetings. Daily Bible reading when we could hardly read the Bible was a part of our life. I didn't understand it. We, we barely could read the words. I remember reading stories about David and David saying, I didn't do that. Well, I said, it gets worse. Just hang on here. And it gets better. But daily Bible reading. I remember my dad praying, Lord, don't ever let my boys taste a drop of liquor. Lord, don't ever let my boys go in a nightclub or a movie house. And I recall the day when I was away from my parents' home for the first time. I was in Bible college in Chattanooga, Tennessee. There were no parents to answer to those evenings. There was no one to see my behavior in church or where I sat in church. There was no one to tell me where I could or where I should not go. The hedge was taken down. And I remember the spiritual wrestling that went on in my mind and heart. And I'm thankful that I could remember and could hear in my imagination the prayers of my dad and the prayers of my mom. Here's what I'm saying tonight. While the hedge is up, do right. That's where you get the strength when the hedge is down. You see, we're creatures of habit. What we learn to do by habit in a typical day is what we'll do in a difficult day. We all have things that we, we telegraph our nervousness. You, you know one another. You know your family. You know when your child's nervous. You know uh, weddings. You see all those nervous twitches of the a bride and the groom and the preacher and all of us. We're just all nervous. And, and, you know, you have those things that you do when you're nervous. You see, you form habits in times when you're relaxed, when you're not paying attention. That's why you ought to form good habits. Sister Avalar and her daughters are here, as they always are in every service. I prayed for them at their seat this morning and some 20 years ago, brother and sister Avalar came to our church and God blessed their home with children. They taught to do right, gave them a Christian education, Bibian and Kevin and Danny and Timmy and Kimmy. Couldn't think of Kimmy's name. I kept thinking of meanness. I couldn't think of her name there for a while. Five years ago in May, the family was in a tragic automobile accident. All four of the men were taken to heaven. 
My wife and I flew to East Texas and we went to the hospital. She asked me where her husband was. And I said, your husband's in heaven. She said, but what about my baby? I said, Sister Avalara, all your boys are in heaven with your husband. Those were difficult days for all of us. They were tough days. They continued to do what they had learned to do when the hedge was up. While the hedge was up, they were faithful to Sunday school and church. While the hedge was up, they were faithful to go soul winning. While the hedge was up, they learned the word of God. And when the hedge came down, the only thing they knew to do was keep going to church. Keep witnessing. Keep trusting in God. As I stood there beside Sister Avalar on the day of the funeral, her and Kimmy both were in wheelchairs, almost like a hospital bed. One after another walked by the casket and I heard them say to her, your husband led me to Christ. I got saved because of your husband. And I want to tell you tonight, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what we're going to face, but I'll guarantee you, dear friend, there's coming a day when the hedge is not going to be there. And tonight, as we sing the songs of Zion and we rejoice and we shout and we praise God for his goodness, we need to walk with God is serious tonight. We need to take, not take for granted the goodness of God right now because the days are coming when the hedge is going to come down. When Lot faced the world without Abraham, he failed because he developed a faith in Abraham but not a faith in God. Jesus warned Peter about the days ahead. Peter Trusted not in the Lord and in his word and in his warning, but Peter trusted in his pride. The day came that he so failed that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. How are you behaving today while the hedge is up and all is well? Do we think that life will always be protected? Do we think that life will always be blessed? You see, temptations are going to come. Weaknesses are going to come. Challenges and tragedies and Satan's attacks are going to come. We'd better be grounded. And the secret to Job's life was before the hedge was down, Job served God continually. I've watched Satan attack this church through these 30 years. There have been times I can look back to times I believe that Satan did his best to destroy this church. I remember in 2001, 20 years ago, the Herald Leader attacked me and attacked our church for 63 days straight. One article after another. We didn't know what to do on Saturday except go soul winning and work on the bus route. 
We didn't know what to do except get up every morning and read her Bible and pray and devotions with her family and go to work. Just do what we'd always done. I remember the Sunday morning, my wife referenced it on the 30th anniversary video. I remember the Sunday morning, the headline of the Herald Leader newspaper. Ah, but thank God when the hedge was up, we learned to win souls and we learned to love God and we learned to serve God and walk with God. So when the walls came down and the hedge of protection was down, we just kept doing what we'd always been doing. And the strength that we found and the strength that we developed when the hedge was up was the strength that carried us through when the hedge came down. Tonight, take serious your walk with God. Take serious the words you read in the book in the morning. Take serious the songs that we sing tonight. You see, it's what we do while the hedge is up that determines how we'll survive when the hedge is down. Teenager life is wonderful and happy and fun, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Teenagers are supposed to enjoy life. You're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to have fun. And I like it. I like it to look forward from camp to a conference to school. Well, maybe not school, but look forward to uh, sports. <laughs> and, uh, well, look forward to most of it. Four out of five ain't bad. You look forward to one activity after another, and it's exciting, and it's wonderful, and vacation Bible school, and all of the activities. But teenager, I want to tell you, there'll not always be a hedge of protection. There'll not always be a time when you're protected from Satan. There will be days of spiritual warfare. Learn to walk with God right now because you need a strength that will help you when the hedge comes down college students you're here at our church oh listen to me listen to me I, I know what the devil wants to do you have too much potential to let the devil ruin your life and when those hedges come down and you don't have a, a, your mama a, to say why are you sitting here or why aren't your Bible open? Or why weren't you singing? Or why were you late coming into church? You don't have that tonight. I know. And sometimes uh, uh, the devil will use that to say you have freedom. Oh, be careful because the strength that you build when the hedge is up is the strength that you need when the hedge comes down. You keep doing what your daddy taught you to do. You keep doing what your mama taught you to do. I say... Engaged couples, thank God for the excitement and the joy of engagement and looking forward to your wedding day. There's nothing like the joy of marriage. And I want to say tonight, thank God for marriage. And I'm glad that God designed it male and female and one man for one woman for a lifetime. That's the way God designed it. That's the only way he defined it. And it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. But not every day is an easy day. Not every day is preparing a room for a baby to come. Not every day is a day remodeling a room and fulfilling a dream, working together sometimes the devil attacks. And sometimes the devil says, if you'll take that hedge away, they'll quit serving you. 
I want to say when things are well and you are happy and you're enjoying dating and you're enjoying uh, when you get married, thank God for that. Oh, but you better read the Bible in the good times. You better pray in the good times. You better walk with God in the good times. You better be faithful to church in the good times. You better be a witness in the good times because the easy times will not always last. When the hedge comes down, we'll find out what kind of strength we develop. And the hedge was up. Stand with me tonight. Things going well in life tonight. Thank God for it. Enjoy every minute of it. I thank God for it. I like it when the bills are paid. I like it when there's a little extra for ice cream. I do. I like it. I like it when the bills are paid and You've got enough left over to get a senior coffee and two apple pies at McDonald's. You don't want to buy just one. It's a waste of money. (laughs) My wife taught me that. The more you buy, the more you save. She saved me a million dollars in 34 years of marriage. (laughs) There won't always be enough money to buy a cup of black coffee and two apple pies. There will be times and not enough money to pay for the groceries. There will be a time that everything breaks and goes flat and hurts all at the same time. And what strength we develop when things are going well is the strength we need to take us through the times when the hedge comes down.